Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey there, this is Jarek Robbins, author of Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. This is Matt Monero, author of You Need More Money. Two. What's up, everyone? This is Cole Hatter from Thrive. And if you want to make your money... And if you want to learn how to live your lifestyle by design... You should be listening to Build Your Network Podcast. The Build Your Network Podcast. It matter. You should be listening to Build Your Network with my boy, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. My name is Eric Skorzynski. I'm Travis Chappell's producer. And on today's midweek mashup episode, we're going to be talking about how you can make your money matter. And I don't think we could have picked three better guests to pull interview snippets from. First up is Jarek Robbins. He's a motivational speaker, life and success business coach, and a consultant who has spoken and hosted events all over the world. And next is Matt Monero. He wrote the book, You Need More Money, and he's the founder of Commercial Fleet Financing Incorporated, the largest independently owned transportation equipment finance company 
in America. And last but not least is the man who has made money matter his mission. It's Cole Hatter, the founder of Thrive. He's an entrepreneur, investor, and award-winning speaker. And you are going to love everything that each of these guests brings to the table on this episode. Remember, if anything in this episode resonates with you, if you feel like you learned something valuable from the episode, take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag Travis Chapel with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, guys, let's get into the show. Midway through high school, I remember sitting down and, and getting serious about my goals, really trying to figure out who I was. And, and after writing out my goals, mentally conditioning myself, starting to listen to self-help programs, reading books about this kind of stuff. I remember I went from a B and C student to a straight A student that next year. Mm-hmm. I went from 5'9", 225 pounds, and I grew as part of being youth, 6'3", 6'4", and I dropped down to 200 pounds. So I was more lean and muscular at this stage. Uh, I remember I started to perform better in sports, perform better at, at school, mentally feel better. And, and I remember trying to get all my friends to do it too and be like, come on, come on, we got to do this together. And they're like, yeah, 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 who cares? Right. If you fast forward where we've all ended up, they've all done wonderful in their own ways. But pretty much everything I started to map out back then has, has in some way, shape, or form turned into reality over these last so many years. Hmm. And, and so that was a starting point back in high school where in my last couple of years of high school, I'd get up at 5.30 in the morning and I would go outside and do my run in the morning while thinking about all the things I'm grateful for, all the things I'm excited about, my future vision for my life, using my affirmations and incantations prior to then getting in the car and driving to school campus to go to football practice at six in the morning, to then work out with the team, to then go to school. And then after school, come home and, and you know spend a little bit more time visualizing and mentally rehearsing the results I really want hmm. besides studying and hanging out with friends. And so I, I started that process probably in... 11th or 12th grade, probably 11th. Yeah. So you say, you say that you've, you say that you've kind of done a lot of the things that were on those lists that you wrote out when you were 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Um, what were a few of those things? I'm just curious because you, you say, you know, I, I was a pretty normal kid in most ways, but the, what you do now, like your what you've turned into a career is obviously not a normal career path. Right. So, so did you have these desires when you were in high school and then you really worked on them to, for the, until they came to fruition? How did that all come about? Good question. So, so I'll give you some insight. When I was in high school, every morning when I'd get ready, MTV music videos were the jammy jam. They were on every morning. And I thought the coolest one I've ever seen was a video called Hypnotized by Biggie Small and P. Diddy. And I remember watching this video thinking, someday I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have access to that kind of life. It's cool. And there's like yachts and helicopters and motorcycles and, and a Hummer and then Mercedes and like all this fancy stuff. And I'm like, oh man, that just looks so cool. And that, you know, at that stage of my life, those are things that I wanted to experience. Fast forward, I remember a couple years into college, I, I did a trip called Semester at Sea, took a lap around the world, fell in love with East Africa, decided to move back there and v- live in a village, a rural farming village, no running water, electricity, or toilets, teaching organic farming for a few months. And while I was there, got malaria twice. And, and, and the second time I was sitting there, one of my lungs started, stopped, started to stop working. I remember going to the hospital, having to go through 11 days, the worst days of my life with vertigo. You put food in one entrance and, and it shot out all entrances 10 seconds later, like nothing really worked well. It was a horrible experience. But I remember in that moment, there was a huge reset on my nervous system of what was actually important. 
and and the cars and the jets and the the traveling and like all this the money and the girls and all that stuff that seemingly was so important prior to that moment I was like, damn, a breath in my lungs is the coolest thing in the world right now. Like, I could just have a breath in my lungs every day. Life is going to be good. Right. You know, like, if, like if I could eat something without an exit, yeah. that'd be awesome. If I could eat something. I, I mean, I went from 210 pounds all the way down to 180 pounds in about seven, 10 days there at the oh, hospital. It was oh bad. My gosh. And muscle was eating itself away. Like, I was having trouble moving. It was, it was not fun. And, and this was during college or this was after your actual- This was probably this was my would be my first semester junior year of college because i had a year and a half left to finish once i got back okay yeah that you know i was doing some preparation for this interview and reading through a lot of the things that you've done and i find that travel is probably probably the most transformative experience for me so far has just been traveling around to different places and getting to know different cultures and perspectives and different things like that. And I know that you refer back to this as a huge changing moment for you. What, what do you think that is? Like, why, why do you think that that really gets into us when we go experience other things and cultures? And obviously with you getting going through this like malaria and these, these horrible physical things led to a little bit more change as well in a, in a more uh, exponential way. But why do you think that is? Like, how, how can we duplicate that if we're not traveling all over the place? Um, well, first off, you can travel. I mean, get in a car and drive five blocks or 10 blocks or walk, you know, take a bus two hours in one direction. You'll, you'll find a place you've never been before hmm. and, and you'll learn about new people. You'll learn about a new way of life. In most cities, uh, there's always a part of town that either you're not supposed to go to or you're supposed to be careful when you're in it. Go there and meet people. You know, go there and volunteer and help out and make a difference in someone's life. And it doesn't have to be an underprivilege. I mean, it could be going to the nicest part of town and helping people for the day. Sweep, you know, just be nice and get to know them. Hmm. Uh, it could be going to the poorest part of town for the day and helping out and getting to know people. It could be going to just a different part of town that you've never been to and helping people. But, but if you get out of your space and you go help someone you've never met, it could be going to the hospital and finding people who you know, are terminally ill. I have a good friend named Kayla Haber who, who was born with cystic fibrosis someone I've met recently and been talking to a lot. She inspires the hell out of me. And, and she had a double lung transplant. It oh didn't go goodness. so well. She went back to the hospital. They said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And we also asked all the other hospitals not to help you because there's nothing we can do as a medical profession. Sorry, go in hospice and die. She went home, wrote a hundred letters to a hundred different hospitals asking for help. Four said they might be able to help. One eventually took her in UCLA, a beautiful group of people. Uh, they did a second double lung transplant. Everything was going good until fluid started to go into her heart a couple of weeks ago. They had to do an open heart surgery to drain her heart just a week ago. And, and she's a freaking champion. She's positive. She's focused. She's inspired. She has a community of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. She helps inspires and stay connected with each other and support each other. And I, I think in traveling, even if you went to your local hospital and went and met someone like Kayla, hmm. you'd walk away going, holy crap, my, wife's a, my life is amazing. Right, right. <laughs> Thank God I can breathe. Thank God my heart's not filled with water. Thank God I'm not struggling with this kind of stuff right now. Hmm. And instantly your perspective changes. Yeah. I hear people all the time, um, good people, good intentions, just radically misunderstand. They, they go to different parts of the world and they say, I see these people with nothing, but they seem to be so happy. And I would say, stop right there. Nothing. Describe nothing to me. Right. Are they healthy? Yeah. Is their heart beating? Yeah. Can they see? Yeah. Can they breathe? Yeah. Do they have family and friends and community around them? Yeah. Are they love? 
Yeah. So what's nothing? They seem to have everything. Hmm. If you're looking at the most important majors of life. Right. Right. What now they th- might not have the stuff that we've been conditioned to believe is quote unquote, everything we're supposed to aspire to. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, all that stuff can t- get torched. Like many people's houses were just in Southern California, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. All that stuff can burn to the ground and you realize, oh my God, I have everything I need. I have my family. I have love. I'm healthy. We're happy. We survived. Oh my God, we have everything. And so sometimes it takes everything being literally burnt to the ground for us to realize what's really most important. It's, it's your health, your happiness, your love, your community. It's, it's the majors of life. Hmm. Tell us how we can learn to work more on the internal while continuing to work on the external. Because I, I asked I ask that question that way because I, I find that a lot of people either do one or the other right? Like they're like, oh, you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need any of those. You know, you don't need the trips or the cars or the, the boats or whatever. You, all you need is just you and your family. And while I completely understand that, having the other stuff doesn't... It's not intrinsically bad or evil and it doesn't cause unhappiness, right? So, so for, for a lot of the people listening to this, a lot of entrepreneurial type people who have big goals and aspirations and dreams, very similar to, similar to yourself... How do you continuously work on those external things while never losing track of the thing that matters the most, which is the inside? Sure. So I'll start with a quote and and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact words, but I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they realize it ain't it. Hmm. Jim, Jim was good with this one. I love it. And it's true. And if you look at this, I have a friend recently. Let me see if I can find her post real quick. She talks about this whole concept. She's extremely popular online. All of her videos she posts gets millions and millions of views. And she wanted to move from her hometown to Los Angeles to literally become famous and even more of an icon in the industry and all this other jazz. And and she wrote this little thing on Instagram the other day. It says, the things I learned this year. I don't care about being super fancy for the sake of being fancy. I like what I like. $60 $60 purse, $6,000 purse still carries my stuff. All the followers in the world don't matter if the people you care about aren't healthy and happy. Most events suck and are full of people taking pics of themselves and I feel super lonely there. Most internet gurus are full of shit. Being hot is a useless skill if it intimidates people into treating you, into treating you weird. Uh, I don't want to be famous. I don't like it. I'm not a zoo animal. I want to connect with people, be real, have fun and not on some strange pedestal. Not famous, just a lot of friends I haven't met yet. And when you look at this concept, she got everything she wanted when she moved there, and then she realized, it ain't it. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't mean... And trust me, I I say that all the time. People go, well, shit, I'd sort of like to find out myself. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, okay, um, let me explain it this way. If I hit you in the face with a hammer, it's going to hurt. Anyone who responds back, well, shit, I'd sure like to find out myself, might be a little slow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not judging. I'm just saying there's proof from many other people that if a hammer strikes your face, it will hurt. And you're like, well, bring it on, buddy. I need to know myself. Now, there's some (laughs) of us during a learning stage called childhood that tempt these offers where it's like, honey, don't put your hand on the stove. It's hot. And we're like, okay, mom, it's hot. And she's like, I told you. And and we have to learn by our own experience. Some of us are a little, I don't know if that's slow or excited or curious, but there's something going on that we just have to touch and find out. But but how do you build an amazing life with, with all the 
gizmos and gadgets and widgets and things and money and whatever else you want to pile on top of it. How do you do that? You need to do it on a stable foundation. And, and a stable foundation is the ability to answer three questions. Number one, or, and, or I'm just going to say the ability to say three statements with total confidence and total congruency in your nervous system, meaning you can say it, you believe it's true, and you feel it's totally right and authentic within your nervous system. Number one, I'm enough. I am enough as a human being. Just showing up, breathing. Not what I do, not my job, not my career, not how many people I've helped or how much money I made or any way else we gauge if we're enough or not. Just me, breathing right now in this moment without doing a damn thing, I am enough. Number two, I have enough. This is going to sound weird because people who want more tend to feel like they don't have enough. You got to get to a place where you go, wow, I have enough. You know, living in that village was me learning, if I reflect back, how to realize I have more than enough. If I have my heartbeat, if I have a breath in my lungs, if I can communicate and have a community around me of caring and people that I can support and they can support me, if we can go find food every day, keyword, go find food every day, if we can go gather water every day. I had to walk a quarter mile down the road to fill a bucket full of water to drag that thing home and boil it for 30 minutes just to have sanitary drinking water you know, food. I had to walk a couple miles down the road to find a market and see what they had to eat that day. There was no like, oh, I'll just go there and get this because it's always there. I mean, imagine if you go to the, the market and you're like, well, I wonder what kind of food they'll have today. I don't know. It depends on what was available and what they could gather and bring to this, ta- you know, this place at this time. You don't know. Sometimes you're lucky and you get a fish. Sometimes you don't. It's like that type of living. When you get into that type of living, you know, for most of us in most parts of the world, including major cities all over Africa, which are beautiful, thriving econ- you know, economies and beautiful places, they're very well developed, incredible places. The villages are still developing, but a lot of the major cities are, are just like New York or LA or anywhere else you'd go. The, most of us haven't had to live that way. So most of us have way more than enough. We just don't see it that way because we've been trained by society to think that we have to have more or do something different than we're already doing to finally, quote unquote, have enough. So I am enough. I have enough. The final one is I'm loved enough. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So I want to get a little bit into your book here, Matt. So the book is called You Need More Money, which is also the name of your podcast, which I'm a fan of, by the way. Just listened to your interview with a mutual friend, Patrick but David, Thanks. the other day. Yeah. That was a fantastic one. You asked some really great questions on there. So the book is called You Need More Money, which is kind of a polarizing title, which I assume you did on purpose. Can you talk into that? The book was originally titled I Need More Money. And the publisher changed it to you need more money because they felt that, you know, I need more money might make a reader say, well, why do I care about this guy needing more money versus the sort of polarizing attack, as you say, of no, 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 you need more money. But the reality is I need more money. You need more money. We need more money. It's an epidemic in America. And the genesis of the book comes from me and my wife and our families losing my wife's only brother, my brother-in-law. Two years ago, he died at 46. He left a wife and four kids with no health insurance, no life insurance, and a hundred bucks in the bank. And so a lot of people think that it's a book about money grubbing and this guy's trying to make money off selling books and what a scam and what a charlatan and a snake oil salesman. And what people hopefully realize very quickly is it's an incredibly personal story for my family. Yeah. I don't know if, if you can go into that just a little bit, throw, throw out a couple of ideas that the this is the catalyst really where this entire book idea came from. And it is a fantastic story. I've heard it multiple times on a couple of different shows and then obviously in the book itself. So can you kind of go into that a little bit and then tell us exactly how this spawned out of that experience? Yeah, sure. It actually connects probably a lot to networking, really. Look, my wife and I, and I we've been together 20 plus years very happily married, in love after all these years. But I know for sure that my wife loved her brother more than she loves me. And so when you think of the worst possible person to be taken from my wife, it was her brother, John. And so that just takes the story and the impact to a whole new level for me, knowing the pain that losing her brother caused her and all of us. But in order to get through that grieving process, I started to write a little bit about it. And the backstory on it, though, Travis, is literally my brother-in-law thought he was going to the doctor to get a shot because he hadn't been feeling good for months. And on a Monday, he was going to get a shot and he was immediately sent to the emergency room and he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, you know, we all rallied, man. We really did. We did everything we possibly could to get information and get the right setup for him. The downside is he had no health insurance, no life insurance, and less than a hundred bucks in a bank when he was diagnosed. So, you know, there's no zero down financing with cancer, buddy. Yeah. And if you don't have money, and I'm in Dallas, Texas, if you don't have money in Dallas, Texas, you go to a place called Parkland Hospital. And To the heroes at Parkland Hospital, we're all grateful, but the reality is you're not getting world-class care at a free hospital. You know, somebody had to cover the nut, man. Somebody had to pay the bills. And of course, my wife and I were, you know, that was our responsibility, which we took 100%. It never, never 
entered my mind that we wouldn't cover his bills in an effort to try to get him better. But I was able to see two things through this experience. The first is the impact of not having money as resulting from a situation that you have very little control over, i.e. a cancer diagnosis. And then I also saw the other side, which is the power and strength that having money has in an effort to try and fix those problems. And my argument in the book is be fearful and be prepared because we don't know what's coming around the corner, whether it's two planes hitting skyscrapers or it's China coming into our market or the government changing regulations or your company getting downsized or bought and sold or you get diagnosed with cancer. And so we need to have reserves. We need to take our money more seriously and we need to stack and rack more cash, a lot more cash than most people think. Yeah, you know, this is a story that really resonated with me the first time that I heard you say it, Matt, because actually around the same time frame, it was uh, about a year and a half ago, I think my wife's dad ended up passing away. He was 53. Wow. Um, so kind of a similar age setting the whole thing. It was like very out of the blue. Like it was just, you know, like we found out that he was sick. And then it was about a week, week and a half later that he ended up oh, passing. Oh, man. And it was a similar situation, you know, no, no life insurance. It was good for us to be able to help out a lot in the situation. It's just so funny because people will hear a book title like that, see a podcast like that. And like you said, immediately just start throwing out these accusations, right? Like these just unbridled attacks insults yeah attacks yeah. yeah exactly well you're just a greedy like you said snake oil salesman that you know you're just trying to make money and it's like okay but why is having money a bad thing where do we get that why is it so bad to say you know what i want to make money i want to get rich i want to be successful like why is that so bad can you talk into that for a second why do you think that so many people just associate having money with being a greedy person yeah, I think it's easier to justify not having than it is to sometimes even justify having. I've seen a lot of guys with money uh, really shut down on the topic. They almost feel guilty for having success. And, and so they literally shy away from it, where conversely, you know, you'll see a lot of people who are behind and they just give up. And so the competitive nature of sports, life, existence is really important when it comes to money because most people that I know start from nothing. And it's extremely difficult to start from zero and to get financially ahead. And so to leave it to chance or to the whim or that, you know, it's all going to be okay, it doesn't work like that with money. It takes focus, skill, effort, diligence, and earnings. I mean, you know, I was talking to someone recently and they were talking about this new app that can save you like six bucks a day. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't even download the damn thing. I mean, yeah. I can't even believe that you're talking about that. That's the problem, though, Travis. And I try to point it out in the first part of the book, The Wake Up Call, which is that we are still operating on these ridiculously outdated numbers of what is enough money anymore. Mm -hmm, and right. I was longing for someone to tell me what are these numbers? Where do I find whether I'm on track or if I'm behind? And I really struggled with it. Who can tell me? Who can I talk to that says, dude, this is how much money you need to make to afford that. And this is how much money you need to make to throw off this amount of income. And this is how you do it. And I couldn't find it. So I just put it in my damn book. And I tell people exactly where you are. It's the one, three, five, ten. We call it the litmus test. And you gotta everybody's gotta put themselves through the litmus test to see whether you're on track or you're off track. <laughs> 
I love that, man. It reminds me of the old phrase, right? A penny saved is a penny earned. Those are apps that save you, you know, five bucks a week or like cut a coupon for you at the store or whatever. And it's just like, man, a penny saved might be a penny earned, bro, but it's still a penny. So you're gonna have a hard time like doing what you want to do, becoming financially secure when you're like looking at pennies as a profit. You yeah, gotta yeah. really start expanding that. <laughs> but Travis, it's everywhere though. I mean, it's like the ones that are looking at it the way you and I are looking at it, we're in the minority. The majority of people are brainwashed into that thought process, which comes from our parents. It does come from the media. I mean, you can see people on TV, very famous TV shows are having finance experts on who are talking about these completely absurd methods Mm -hmm. of how you get ahead financially. The way you get ahead financially is by figuring out how you can earn more money. That's rule number one, earn more. uh, Just like you said, man, I have my event Thrive. That's my main hustle, my main jam. Uh, Three-day conference that has taken place in Vegas and San Diego. But my thing I'm most proud of is definitely my family. I married up, have an amazing wife and two precious little girls that you know, I'm trying to not just provide for, but try to leave a legacy for and, and live a life uh, as an example for what you know you can do without limitations. The way that I've made the majority of my money in the 12 years I've been an entrepreneur is investing primarily in real estate and then more recently in a diverse of things like I've invested in a couple of funds. I've invested in businesses as an angel investor. Of course, you got to throw Bitcoin in there. Who hasn't bought ask. some of that? Yeah. Who hasn't that. bought some of that? But <laughs> I'm not one of the rah-rah Bitcoiners, though. I did it just to say I had fear of loss, right? I was like FOMO'd out, of so course. I bought some, and now I'm just leaving it alone. So anyway, but that's where you know the roof over my head comes from is, is a series of investing I've done. I've lost a lot of money. Thank goodness I've made more money than I've lost, and I'm way up. <laughs> That's it, man. Just investing in people and businesses that I believe in, real estate, and then building my Thrive Tribe. How did you start into real estate? Because I know that there's a lot of people out there that would you know, love, quote unquote, to get into real estate investing, but they think that there's a huge barrier to entry that you got to have a lot of money to play with. Did you start with a good amount of money? Did you go get some loans? Did you start just wholesaling? How did you get into it? So I found real estate accidentally. I was actually a firefighter and got in a really bad car accident, not on the job in my personal life that ended my firefighting career for the time. And while I was recovering, actually had to move into my mom and dad's house because I was so hurt, I couldn't even care for myself. And as I was learning how to walk again, when I got on my wheelchair, I'd have to like go out and practice walking. And you know, the neighbors were a real estate couple. They lived in a big, beautiful house, drove big, beautiful cars, and in just conversations with them, I saw how much money they made and the freedom that they had that you know, during the workday, while all the houses were empty, they were outside and had a lot of freedom. And so I thought, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever physically be capable of being a firefighter again. Maybe I just do real estate for a little bit as a real estate agent to make some money until I can go back to the fire department. Hmm. Real estate agent very quickly turned into real estate investor because I accidentally walked into a real estate investment workshop. I thought that everybody that did real estate did the exact same thing. I didn't realize there was a difference. So I'd been a real estate agent, no joke, for about three weeks. Like I had just passed the test, (laughs) did my fingerprints, and was looking to hang my license at a brokerage and walked into this room and realized, wow, there's a big difference between profits and commissions. As a real estate agent, I'm going to be chasing commissions. As a real estate investor, I get to make all these profits. So that's when I made the change in my mind. 
like you said, obviously it does take money. The good news is it doesn't take your money. So, you know, people say it takes money to make money. At least in real estate, that is true because you got to buy houses. Right. The good news is it doesn't take your money. So a lot of people use that saying as maybe a scapegoat to like say, hey, listen, I would do real estate, but I just don't have any money and it takes money to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, at 21 years old, living with my parents, having recovered from a tragic car accident that ended my career, I had no money at all. And so to answer your question, I didn't get bank loans. I worked with creative financing and I found people to do a joint venture partnership where I said, hey, you're really rich. I've got nothing but time. Let's partner. You fund the deals. I'll do 100% of the work. You sit back and do nothing and we'll split the profits 50-50. And I found a gentleman actually at my church of all places that was interested in doing that. That's how we did our first couple of deals. And I should mention my dad became my business partner as well. I sat my dad down and said, dude, let's go You know, buy, fix, and flip real estate. He saw a lot of opportunity because at this time it was 2005 and real estate was exploding right, here in Southern right. California. Like you literally couldn't lose. Right. So my dad became my partner. We went out, we raised the money with a third gentleman that was our lender. And that was the beginning of it. And that guy, you know, probably lent on, oh, 20 or so of our deals. And then by that time we had experience, we started developing our network. We met other lenders. And instead of doing joint venture partnerships where we had to give up half the profits, we started borrowing like hard money, private money mm-hmm. at a set interest rate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could talk about that as well, that, you know, giving up half the profits is really expensive. And I know people that turn deals down because they're like, I'm not going to give up half the profit. But for me at 21, I said it's better to make 50% of something than 100% of nothing. So that's where my career began and then uh, eventually you know, built relationships with lenders where I would pay them interest on the money I borrowed, but I would keep all the profit. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to TravisChapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.